Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I am presenting a series of broadcasts on the subject of Jesus, our priest, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. In the previous broadcast, I was talking about the resurgence of faith within Judaism that will occur when the temple in Jerusalem is rebuilt. And I do sincerely believe that it will be rebuilt at some point. I don't know what the political implications will be as a result of the reconstruction of the temple, but I do believe it will be rebuilt. I personally have actually met with the founder of the Temple Institute. His name is Gershon Solomon. I met with him one time. It was a very memorable experience. I remember two things. The first thing I remember was when I was approaching him, I was coming to go and speak with him, that his bodyguard actually turned his back on me. That was one thing that I remember very vividly. I consider it to be quite a compliment, actually, that his bodyguard would trust me so much that he would actually turn his back on me when he sees me coming. I'm sure that that wasn't really his intent, that he was just wanting to make sure that I understood that he totally rejected me as a person entirely. However, that was one thing that I certainly do remember, and I suppose I would like to think that he was just trusting me to that extent. However, the other thing that I remember is that when I was talking with him, he spoke to me and he said, Aaron, I do pray that one day you will return to your Jewish roots. And I said to him as well, I said, well, Gershon, I certainly will pray for you also that one day you will return to your Jewish roots and recognize the Messiah for who he is. And that was the end of our conversation. He was there doing a fundraising event, and there were Christians who were supplying him with an incredible amount of money. And most of the funds that have been raised by the Temple Institute for the reconstruction of the temple have actually come from the Christian community. I have received virtually no funding whatsoever for the work that I have done from the Christian world in comparison. I certainly am not complaining, and I definitely don't need it in order to do the work that I am doing. But I do find it quite interesting, however, how many are certainly very willing to support those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus, but they definitely would never even consider supporting someone like myself who is devoted to the proclamation of the Lord Jesus. It's just kind of an odd anomaly. But in addition to that, I certainly believe that when the temple is rebuilt, that there will be this great resurgence of faith in Judaism. Many people who are not considered to be religious will all of a sudden become very religious and will actually go to Israel, some of which for the first time, just for the purpose of being able to go to the temple and perform some sacrifice or offering or some ritual that they can perform there at the temple. But in addition to that, I sincerely believe that we will also see this great faith being stirred up within the Christian communities. I sincerely believe that we will see many Christians hopping on planes and flying over to Israel just for the purpose of going to this temple that is being rebuilt so that they also can have some opportunity 
to be able to go to the court of the Gentiles and present some kind of an offering, either financial or material or in some capacity, to be able to contribute towards the events, towards the operations of the temple, to be a part of this move of God, which I sincerely believe the Lord is definitely involved in this and instigating this, participating in this, intervening in whatever way is necessary in order to ensure that this takes place. And because of this monumental event, I believe many Christians will want to be a part of it. They will definitely want to have ties, some kind of connectivity with the temple, because they know, and it is probably very true, I believe it's true, that the Lord our God is involved in the rebuilding of the temple. And so the Christians will want to be a part of that as well. For one thing, many of them were involved in the funding of the financing of this temple. They're going to want to see what their money went for, but they will also go there with the intent of wanting to have some kind of connectivity with their God through that temple. I myself, I'm going to feel further away from my people and from that temple than ever because I have no part whatsoever in Israel. I have no part in that temple. I cannot participate in any way with that temple. Now, having said that, I certainly hope that I can, of course, go one day to go and visit the temple and to see it for myself, see it with my own eyes and to tour it to the extent that I may be permitted to do so. That's not what I mean. What I mean is, is that I will never have any connectivity with my God through that temple. That temple is a complete anathema. It is a complete offense to the reality of the new covenant because its foundation, its establishment, its existence, its purpose has to do with the dispensing of the old covenant of the Mosaic law to put people under the Mosaic law and it itself stands as a testimony that Jesus is not the Messiah. That will be its testimony. That will be the testimony of the temple and definitely the testimony of all the people who participate in that temple. And so while many Christians may certainly participate in that, I will not be able to do that. I personally will not be able to be a part of it in that capacity because to me it stands against everything that I believe that the temple of God is not this building but that the temple of God is the people who our God indwells that the priest is not the priest there at the temple but that the true priest is the Lord Jesus who is in the true temple in heaven this temple will be a copy of another temple a copy of a tabernacle that was a copy of the true tabernacle in heaven. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5, the writer speaks of the tabernacle being a copy of the true tabernacle that is in heaven. So what kind of a counterfeit do you think this is going to be? That's the proper word to use. A copy, yes, but it is a counterfeit when we present it as though it is not a copy, but as though it is the real thing. And that is a major problem That is a serious problem when you consider the differences between the Lord Jesus and the Levitical priesthood that will then go into effect when the temple is reestablished. Yes, the Levitical priesthood will be reestablished and a high priest will be selected. I haven't heard anybody talking about that yet. That is that there will be a high priest. A high priest will be selected for the purpose of fulfilling the office of the high priest there in Israel. And this man will have an incredible amount of power and influence there in Israel. The more that people will turn to the temple, 
the more power and influence and authority the high priest will have. And it's my opinion that at some point the high priest in Israel, there at the temple, will one day have greater power and authority than anyone in the standing government in Israel today. That it will be the high priest who will have the greatest authority in the land of Israel at some point as it gets turned over to him. This is a very serious issue, and I believe you should pay attention to this and watch this, because I do believe it will unfold in this way. And the high priest will fulfill his office, he will fulfill his role. Sure enough, he will go into the temple. He will go into the temple of God, and he will, once a year, he will approach the most holy place, what we would consider to be the Holy of Holies. And in there will be the true Ark of the Covenant, I sincerely believe that the Ark of the Covenant will be there. I believe that the priests do know where it is at this time. If they don't know where it is at this time, there are a few alternative locations where it probably is. I'm sure they'll find it. I'm very confident that it will surface wherever it is, and it will be there in the most holy place. And the high priest will go into that most holy place once a year. And do you suppose you're ever going to be able to see this most holy place? I seriously doubt it. You may travel halfway around the world or all the way around the world and land there in Israel and go and see the temple and go for one of their official tours. And do you think that they're going to let you walk into that most holy place? I certainly doubt it, especially if the true Ark of the Covenant is there. And especially if it is, are you going to be interested in going in there? Would you want to walk in there not knowing whether or not you would be able to walk out? There's an easy way to resolve that. If you go there on a tour... Just look for somebody who you believe is not as holy as you are and ask them or encourage them to go in there first. And if they make it out alive, well, then you can feel confident that you should be able to go in there safely and make it out alive as well. I'm only being silly by saying that, but that's one way to approach it. But even so, I honestly do not believe that you are going to have access to that holy place, that no one will permit you, or anyone for that matter, who does not have the authority to go there, will be permitted to have access in there, except for the high priest, who will go in once a year to present his offering, the blood of the goat, for the sins that the people committed that they did not know that they had committed throughout the previous year. And when he approaches that holy place, I believe that we will see this throughout the entire world, I believe we'll see this on television. I think that it'll be on CNN and all the newscasts that this one moment, this one event that everyone had been waiting for for an entire year is about to occur where the cameras will be trained on the high priest approaching the most holy place to see if he'll make it out alive. And he will walk in there and everyone around the entire world at that very moment, they will hold their breath wondering if he's going to be able to get out of there alive, if God will not strike him dead. And yet he's going to walk into an empty room. He's going to walk into a room where God is not. The Lord will not be in that temple. He will not be there. They may have the Ark of the Covenant there, but even so, that Ark is a copy of the true Ark in heaven. This temple is a copy of the true tabernacle in heaven. And the Lord himself is not going to be in there in the copy. He is not going to be there in the counterfeit. He is in the true tabernacle in heaven, in his kingdom. That's where he is. That's where the Lord Jesus is, who is the true high priest. He is the real high priest. 
the priest of God who has been established as the high priest. That's where he is. And he is there sitting down. He is not going to go in there again to present an offering, his own blood, in the sense that he did before. He did that once for all, and then he sat down. And he's not getting back up again. He did that once for all, and no one can do anything otherwise that will give any impression or inclination or any satisfaction for the sins of the people. No impression that the sins are being forgiven. No inclination that they could possibly be forgiven. And they definitely are not being forgiven because that would suggest that the forgiveness that has been executed by the Lord Jesus on the cross is definitely not enough. But that we need something else. That it was nothing in comparison with the blood of the goat that the high priest can bring into this copy of a tabernacle, this copy of a temple that he can bring that in, and that supposedly is what's more real now because we can see it, because we can touch it, because we can hear about it, because we can be a part of it, because we can give our money to contribute towards that, that somehow that's what makes it real. But it isn't. There is a temple, there is a tabernacle, and that's not it. The true tabernacle is the temple in heaven that the Lord erected and not man. The true tabernacle is the one that is there in the kingdom of heaven. And yet the Christians who have believed that this temple in Jerusalem is the temple of God, they who have believed that in the way that they worship it, in the way that they contribute towards it, in the way that they participate in the ordinances and the operations of it, through their participation, they give evidence that shows that that's what they really believe, that this is what they truly depend on, that this is what they truly put their resources into, and it's nothing more than a counterfeit. In Hebrews chapter 8, verses 4 and 5, it is written, Now if he were on earth... He would not be a priest at all, since there are those who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things, just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to erect the tabernacle. For see, he says, that you make all things according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. That's the warning. The warning is not that you make it just like it, not that you are careful to ensure that the dimensions are proper or that the materials that are used are the proper materials. But the warning is that it is a pattern. The warning is that it is a copy. Be warned. Be forewarned that it is only a copy. It is not the real thing. It is not real. Understand that. This is not going to be the real temple of God. It is going to be another counterfeit, another copy. The Lord Jesus has no relationship to this temple at all. Now, again, having said that, I do believe that this is an act of God, but for other reasons. But when it comes to our relationship with our God, when it comes to the person of Christ Jesus, what he has done and what he is doing, this is totally different. This is completely different. Understand something very important, and that is that Jesus is real. I mean, if you believe that Jesus is real... You should recognize that he is real and he is set up as a true priest, as our priest. And if you recognize that, then you should also recognize that the temple that he serves at, the temple where he is in, is the true temple of God in the kingdom of heaven, not here on earth. The true tabernacle that the Lord himself set up, not with the assistance of anyone 
not with the assistance of our hands, that this is a temple that he set up himself personally. This is very important to recognize because I really do believe that a lot of people, they have no idea what I'm talking about because I've talked with so many people who have no idea what I'm talking about. They still do not really recognize the reality of Christ Jesus and the reality of him being a priest. And of course, as it says in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 4, that he would not be a priest at all if he was here on earth. He has no relationship whatsoever to the Levitical priesthood. You know, he set up his priesthood. He instituted the new covenant while the Levitical priesthood was still in operation, while it was still functioning. He did not need the Levitical priesthood to come to an end before he could establish the true priesthood of God, whereas the people are the priests of God. The true temple of God, whereas the people are the temple of God. We are living stones that are being built up as a holy temple of our God. He did not need the Levitical priesthood to go away in order to establish what he has established. He did not need the temple to be destroyed in order to establish us as the true temple of God. He did this in the midst of the Levitical priesthood. He did this in the midst of the situation in Jerusalem at that time. He has no part, no place in the Levitical priesthood whatsoever. He never has and he never will. The Levitical priesthood was set up to deal with the issues of the flesh. But of course, because the issues of the flesh are never going to be resolved, the priesthood was totally inadequate. The new covenant is about dealing with the issues of the heart, of the spirit, and of the soul. And those are the real issues. And the Lord Jesus has dealt with those issues and is dealing with those issues continually as he transforms his people, his children, into his image as we are conformed into the image of our God as he grows and matures us as he sees fit. And he, as our priest, is so much greater than the Levitical priesthood. For example, according to the Levitical priesthood, or as I described it in the previous broadcast, Moses was the mediator between us and God. He was the mediator in the sense that he was the one who gave the law on behalf of God to the people. And Aaron, he was the representative of the people to mediate between the people and God. And when the temple is reestablished, then the Levitical priesthood will once again begin to enforce, to whatever degree that they are permitted, the Mosaic law as representatives, effectively, of Moses before the people to remind them of the law that had already been given through the mediator, Moses. And then they will be able to function as representatives of the people in order to assist them with the operational necessity to present sacrifices and offerings before their God in order to make atonement for their sins. Atonement, that's it. But the Lord Jesus, he fulfills both offices and he does so simultaneously. And this is what makes him such a great high priest a greater priest than any other priest that has ever lived because he represents God to us. He is the representative of our God. Our God sent him to us to tell us the truth, to tell us what we were to believe. And he also represents us to our God through the propitiation of sins that he provided, through the propitiation for sins that he provided, he is the one who has died for our sins, to make propitiation for our sins. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, and Hebrews chapter 10, verses 10 through 14, that he made propitiation.
propitiation, not atonement. Atonement is a covering over sins, but propitiation is a complete taking away of sins. And he also lives to make intercession for us. Hebrews chapter 7 verses 23 to 25. That's Hebrews chapter 7 verses 23 to 25 that he makes intercession on our behalf. So he represents both God and us just as Moses represented God and Aaron represented us. Jesus fulfills both offices, fulfills both responsibilities. And the intercession that he makes is not as a high priest who goes before the Ark of the Covenant once a year or supervises the priesthood in order to ensure that everyone performs the correct offerings or restitution or execution, depending upon the sin that is committed, in order to sustain the society of Israel. He is not there doing that. He sat down. He is not standing up. He sat down at the right hand of our God. In Hebrews chapter 7, verses 23 to 25. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23, it says, The former priests, on the one hand, existed in great numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing. Death will certainly do that to you. The Lord Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. But of course this intercession is very simple. If there is ever any accusation raised against any of us, if any accusation is ever raised by a person or by the devil himself, then the intercession is very simple. Heavenly Father, I am sitting down. I, as your son, I resolved that issue a long time ago. I'm not going to even get up for this one. I'm not going to even get out of my chair to respond to this accusation. This is an issue that was completely resolved a long time ago. We do not even entertain the thought of anyone's sins ever being held against them ever again. The thought is not even a concern. That is our high priest, and that is the real situation at hand right now. He is a greater priest in that he will live forever. He will never be replaced by any priest whatsoever. And the offering that he gave was an offering for all sin of the entire world, of everyone. The entire sin issue is completely over, and he has sat down because there is nothing left to stand up for. There is no more work to be done. For a temple to be built in Jerusalem and a new priesthood to be established with a new high priest to continue this work that has been completely finished is definitely in total opposition to the good news of the gospel. It is a total offense to everything the Lord Jesus has done. It is an absolute denial of the truth and of the reality of the existence of our God as far as I'm concerned. A complete denial of reality and a pursuit of trying to worship counterfeits instead of considering the real thing. The temple in Jerusalem will certainly be an opportunity for many people to try and attempt to worship their God as they believe they are to do so, or as they believe they can be permitted to do so. Many people will turn in that way, but they will never, ever be brought near to God, because God is not going to be there. He will not take up residency in that temple because he has said very clearly in the gospel that he takes up residency in the hearts and in the spirits of the people who trust and believe in him 
through the gospel of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, and that these are the people who he indwells. And because he indwells within these people, they are his temple. I mean, think about any building in town. Think about a Walmart. You have a Walmart in town, probably. This place that looks like a giant self-storage unit. Imagine the living God coming down to earth, and he decides to stop by Walmart, and he decides to go in there and just hang out there in Walmart. And his glory emanates through the doors, out into the parking lot, fills the building in such a way that no one could dare even walk into the building. Are we going to call that place the place that houses all the goods that are made in China? Is that, is that how we're going to describe that building? No, we describe that building as the temple of God. Because it is God in that temple, regardless of what it was built for, regardless of what kind of a sign may be posted outside. If our God is in the building, that building is the temple, is his temple. That's what determines what a temple is. And the truth of the matter is, is that if your God indwells within you, according to the gospel, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if he is indwelling within you, if that has occurred, that was the purpose of the Lord Jesus dying on the cross and raising from the dead. He did so not just to get us into heaven, but to get our God out of heaven and into us through the indwelling presence of his spirit that would resurrect us from the dead right now, just as he had resurrected the Lord Jesus from the dead. The resurrected life of our God and dwells within all of his believers. And because of that, we are his temple. And because of that, he is near to us. He is near to you. If he is indwelling within you, how much closer could he get? How much closer could he possibly get than being inside your very spirit, illuminating you from the inside so that you can see the depths of his heart? That was what the Lord Jesus came to accomplish, so that you can be drawn near to him as he has been drawn near to you so that you may know your God. But the most that any of the Jews will be able to hope for there in Israel when the temple is built is to witness a high priest walking into an empty room. That's the most that they will ever be able to hope for, and that is the closest that they will ever be able to get to their God. An experience of being properly informed that they have been officially rejected because of their rejection of the true living Messiah. Now, again, that doesn't mean that the Lord is not involved and intervening in their lives, actively participating. I certainly believe he is. But as a person, and in terms of salvation, and in terms of eternal life, and in terms of having a true, real relationship with the living God, that's the best description I can think of in order to describe the situation that will soon unfold. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net